And we're back, episode five of the Renaissance series. Ray, woo! How you I doing? S- oh, I'm great, just great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that's good. It's not I true. It's great. As you know, I've got a fever. Yeah. And it's not for more cowbell. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sweaty, I'm cold, I'm shivery, I'm dying, but the show must go on, Ray. <laughs> it must, exactly, exactly. Um, in our last episode, um, we talked about the fact that from the very get-go, when Constantine sort of gave Christianity legal status, he had to deal with a whole bunch of infighting. That, because toleration and, 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 and freedom of religion only goes so far. Freedom right. of religion, but everyone has to sign up to the same thinking inside of Christianity. That was Christianity's view from the very earliest times. And the one we started to talk about uh, last time was Arianism. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a biggie. This is pretty big, yeah. Arianism. Well, first of all, I just want to say, yes, you are free to think exactly like me. I love that. Mm. Could I take a stab? I know you're going to go into Arianism, but can I take a stab at understanding it? Well, by taking a stab, do you mean you're just going to jump ahead and, uh, you know? No, 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 just the, the, well, just the basic premise. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, again, to me, this is splitting hairs, but then again, I'm not a Christian, so whatever. So, um, Arius (gasps) was a, a, was a, what was that? Me being shocked that you said that out loud. <laughs> I, I'm I'm over it. I was I'm over it. Okay, so Arius is um, Arius is this charismatic priest, and he emphasized. Tell me if I get this right. He emphasized the supremacy and the uniqueness of God the Father, meaning that the Father alone is almighty and infinite, and therefore the Father's divinity must be greater than the Son's that he taught the son had a beginning and that he supposed and that he possessed neither the eternity nor the true divinity of the father because he came from the father. He, it, only, it was only from the father's power that the son was created. And if the father comes first and the son comes second, then the, God, the father must be the greater of the two and they are not equals. Is that the... I mean, I mean, this is just, you know, the whole of my whatever. And is that the basic That's premise? That's the whole that of the Wikipedia page that you have open in front exactly, of you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm trying to make sense of it because I'm like, oh, my God, really? This is it? Because this, this is a big deal. These people, this is worse than the Donatism. These people, this is heresy. Yes, it's, it's, yes it is heresy. So, yes, yeah. Arius... So he's in Alexandria in Egypt, of course, named after or founded by and named after Alexander the Great, very much um, the the major centre of of um, thinking and right. and science and philosophy and everything from the time that Ptolemy the first really built it into a, yeah. a, a major city and invited scholars and built the Library of Alexandria and all that kind of stuff. So this is where Arianism starts. For it. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Arius is a pretty popular and charismatic priest there in the early third century, and as you said, his big idea—and he didn't invent this. This has been around forever, but he, he sort of was a popular proponent of it. 
was that Jesus wasn't equal to God. He was secondary to God. Still great. He goes, oh, listen, don't get me wrong. I fucking love Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, love I love it. Oh, I can't get enough of Jesus. Love Jesus is great, Jesus. but he's he's good, but he's not God. Just like, just let's just get this straight. He's great, fucking awesome. Um, he can hang with me anytime, Jesus, but he's, he's a not. He's 10, but God is 11. Exactly. Okay. He he said Jesus was not of the same nature, consubstantial, as God the Father, nor was he of like nature, homo eusian, but was made by God. Now, as I said, he didn't invent this idea. It had been debated for a long time. If you go right back to the first century, around the time the New Testament was being written, Many of the church leaders took the view that Jesus was secondary to God. This view uh, was argued by Origen of Alexandria, Clement of Rome, Ignatius of Antioch, the Epistle of Barnabas, Justin Martyr, the Didache, Tertullian, Pope Dionysus. Uh, But it's something I find shocks modern Christians. They say, well, Jesus is God. I go, yeah, but you know that early Christians didn't really believe that, right? Even the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, this is something that emerged much later on. The, the Trinitarian idea was something that was developed later. Now, it's true there, there, there are hints of it in, in second century Christianity, but there are also arguments against it. It was something that wasn't really uh, resolved for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Arius became the focal point of the issue, um, and as I said, his argument was pretty simple. The Father comes before the Son. There must have been a time when the Son didn't exist. Right. And he argued that it was logical, and the only conclusion you could arrive at using reason, he actually used the Bible to support uh, his position in, in John the Gospel of John, it says, The Father is greater than I. Has Jesus saying that? The Father is greater than I. In Paul's epistle to the Colossians, Jesus says he is the, or Jesus is called the firstborn of all creation. So the firstborn means that there was something, he was born in creation. There was a time when he didn't exist, there was creation, and then he was the firstborn. Right. Now, yeah, a lot of Christians were upset by this then uh, as now. Uh, Arius said this was the only conclusion you could come to with by you know obeying logic and reason, but when has logic and reason ever had anything to do with Christianity? <laughs> the other side tried to argue, the Trinitarians tried to argue that God and Jesus were of the same essence, homoousios, one mm. in being or of a single essence, and that both had been around forever. That God and Jesus... Convenient. You know, there was a time when there was nothing else but them and the Logos, the Holy Spirit, just the three of them hanging around, right. having poker nights, chilling, chilling right. watching Netflix. Um, no, no. It was only them on Netflix because there was nothing else to watch. They, they had to make their gotcha. own entertainment. It's like when I was a kid, you know, I doing, we didn't have TV. We had to invent our own entertainment, um, you know, pulling the heads Touch off of Barbie dolls and uh, oh, okay. stuff like that. If I can use Arian's logic, does that make man greater than woman? Because man came first and a part of a man was used to create a woman. I think that's the whole point of that story in the Bible, Ray. Yes, man is greater than woman. I just want to start some shit. So Constantine 
pulls together this thing called the Council of Nicaea 325, which he himself supervised. 22 bishops there. Um, sorry, more than 22 bishops. The 22 bishops are just uh, supporting Arius, led by Eusebius of Nicomedia and Bithynia. He gets a whole mm-hmm. bunch of bishops to come in to Nicaea, Constantine, to say, listen, we need to, we need to figure this out. Stop, yeah. can't be bitching about this. Is God the same as Jesus or is he just better than Jesus? Um, now, they argued about it for two months at the Council of wow. Nicaea presenting wow. cases for and against. It was basically the Yalta conference for <laughs> Christians. Um, we should do a blow-by-blow. Blow. Um, Constantine finally ruled in favour of the Trinitarian camp. But mm-hmm. interestingly, he seems to have thought the whole debate was pretty silly. According to Eusebius of Caesarea, who wrote the early church history, earliest church history, he says that Constantine said the debate was trivial and entirely unimportant, really silly, and a quarrel over small and quite unimportant points. First of all, what's Latin for really silly? Yeah, I don't but know. On a, uh, <laughs> yeah. But on a serious note... Really is sillious, I think is what it is, right? <laughs> really is sillious. Yeah. And it rhymes. He had that put on t-shirts and coffee mugs. Couldn't we argue that at this point... Connie is not a Christian. If this is his attitude about one of the fundamental questions, questions of faith of Christianity. I don't know. He, he seemed to take the position that, listen, uh, who cares what you think about what, what matters is that you believe in Jesus and you believe in God. The rest of it, no one gives a shit. If you think he was there from the time memorial or not, who cares? Keep it to yourself. I don't care. Let's just get on with things. <laughs> Very, very practical, Constantine was. Anyway, at the at yeah. the Council of Nicaea is where they came up with the original Nicene Creed, which every mm-hmm. Christian had to sign up to. It said, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, the only begotten, that is, of the essence of the Father, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, both in heaven and on earth, who for us men, forget the women, and for our salvation came down and was incarnate and was made man. He suffered, and the third day he rose again, ascended into heaven. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, and in the Holy Ghost. But those who say there was a time when he was not, and he was not before he was made, and he was made out of nothing, or he is of another substance or essence, or the Son of God is created or changeable or alterable, they are condemned by the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. Wow. So you have to toe the line. You have to, you can't be a Donatist, and now you can't be an Arianism, and now you have to cite this, back it up, or you're not a Christian, or we will find some way to coerce you to fill in all the appropriate holes. Exactly. Damn. Yeah, so they came up with this creed where it said he was one substance with the Father, and Constantine had Arius exiled to Palestine. By the way, there's a great story about Arius. Apparently, he liked to take popular songs or poems of the day and rewrite them. So they... Framed, time for that. So they framed his ideas about the secondary nature of Jesus. He was the weird Al Yankovic of his day, this guy. <laughs> he would take popular tunes and people would walk around singing them 
about <laughs> Jesus is the second. He's not really the first. La da 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 da. Yeah. Just so Constantine at this time issued an edict against the Arians. He wrote, in addition, if any writing composed by Arius should be found, it should be handed over to the flames so that not only will the wickedness of his teaching be obliterated, but nothing will be left even to remind anyone of him. And I hereby make a public order that if someone should be discovered to have hidden a writing composed by Arius and not to have immediately brought it forward, and destroyed it by fire. His penalty shall be death. As soon as he is discovered in this offence, he shall be submitted for capital punishment. Park, car park, the car, the car park. <laughs> Don't know why I'm going into a bad so, Kennedy impersonation for that speech. So the Council of Nicaea has the full backing of the power of the state, and this is the part where you tell me that paganism, once and for all, is wiped out from Rome. Not yet. Uh, we've got to no. get, we'll get there, though. No, okay. but it's, it, this is about Christian versus Christian uh, stuff yeah. here again yeah. still. The, again, the idea that I find fascinating all of this is that the Christians wouldn't tolerate any diversity of thinking even within their own ranks, let alone outside of their own ranks. From the very right. get-go, they were trying to shut down freedom of thought, and, of course, this is a plays a huge role, this this modality of thinking, when we get into the Dark Ages, where you're not allowed to think outside, you're not allowed to colour outside of the lines here, basically. <laughs> right. So, so the Romans, who are the beneficiaries of the Greek culture, which, which prized knowledge, debate, discourse, rhetoric, which would make ideas stronger, it burns away the weaker ones, that that tradition or that whatever you want to call it from the Greek world is now gone, gone, or at the very least, it doesn't apply. You can keep it in other things, maybe other schools of thoughts, but not in religion. Well, not in Christianity, but as we will see okay. quite quickly within a few decades of this, it does get extended to the entire Roman Empire. Okay, jeez. Disappointed in you, Christians. But see, this goes back to the earliest days of Christianity, this factionalism. Paul and Peter seem to have had fairly different views about Jesus. When you read Paul's epistles, he talks about super apostles who were going around preaching a different Jesus. He says something like, if they come and they teach you a different Jesus from the one I've taught you, then, you know, chop their dicks off and stick them in their mouths and send them away. So there was, there was, this is in the 50s, right? So from the right. very get-go, there were different people running around with different ideas of who Jesus was and what the teachings meant and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, a couple of years later in 327, Constantine changed his mind, brought Arius back from exile and became an Arian himself. What? He went from not caring to choosing a side. Uh, well, he chose a side during the Council of Nicaea. He sided right. with the Trinitarians. And then a few years later, he was like, you know yeah. what? Fuck it. That makes sense to me now. I'm convinced. No, it's, I'm convinced. Uh, I, th I, I think somebody was working on him over yeah. the years. Yeah. 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 Um, and he had the leader of the Trinitarian party, Athanasius, sent into exile instead. Oh, My bad. I'm mea culpa. You bring him back. 
Send the other guy away. Okay, oh. there, now it's all fixed. Yeah. When I when so, I said send Arius into exile <laughs> and no, leave Athanasius, no, I got that. They both begin with A. I got confused. What do you yeah, mean to send you know, Athanasius into exile, leave you, Arius in? <laughs> you know how you're thinking of one name, but you say the. That's what happened. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I apologize. But, so, so uh, yeah. He lets Athanasius come back too, not long after. So, fuck. Okay, so that doesn't matter at all. So, um,. Even though these arguments have been around since day one, which is one of the points that you're making, and you should, Connie, right or wrong, is solving, well, he's trying very hard to solve these problems. He's trying to organize, he's trying to uh, codify, he's trying to straighten everything out. Everybody not, might, might, might not be happy, but at the end of the day, he can say, here is one one-size-fits-all Christianity, that's going to lead to, hopefully, stability, and I'm not going to have any trouble with this group of people anymore that I let loose after I cross the bridge. So should he get credit for at least forcing them to nail down their ideas and not do all this infighting? Why? Why should it matter if they have different ideas, is my point. Why Why couldn't you have 20 different Christianities running around with their own version of things? Why would it matter? Yeah, as long as they don't take out knives and kill each other in the streets when they're arguing about it, you would think he wouldn't care. But for some reason, he seems to want this nailed down. Or mm. somebody wants this nailed. I don't know, but but it's happening. Unfortunately for Arius, on the day he made his triumphant return to Constantinople, yeah. where he was ready to give oh, a big yeah. victory speech, um, <laughs> which I think started with, nah, 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 I'm back. <laughs> he died on his way no. To the church. God punished him. Uh, according to Socrates, Socrates Scholasticus, who was one of Arius's bitter enemies, who wrote about it. This is how he describes Arius's death. It's pretty cool. It was then Saturday, and Arius was expecting to assemble with the church on the day following. But divine retribution overtook his daring criminalities. For going out of the imperial palace, attended by a crowd of Eusebian partisans like guards, he paraded proudly through the midst of the city, attracting the notice of all the people. As he approached the place called Constantine's Forum, where the column of porphyry is erected, a terror arising from the remorse of conscience seized Arius, and with the terror a violent relaxation of his bowels. He therefore inquired whether there was a convenient place near, and being directed to the back of Constantine's forum, he hastened thither. I really need to take a shit. Is there anywhere around here? They go, yeah, just uh, pull just up, pop pull, around back. Pull up your toga around the back of Constantine's forum. That's where we go when we're in there. Soon after, a faintness came over him, and together with the evacuations, his bowels protruded. Followed by a copious hemorrhage and the descent of the small intestines. Moreover, portions of his spleen and liver were brought (laughs) off in the effusion of blood so that he almost immediately died. The scene of this catastrophe is still shown at Constantinople, as I have said, behind the shambles in the colonnade. And by persons going by pointing the finger at the place, there is a perpetual remembrance preserved of this extraordinary kind of death. And a smell. He literally shat himself to death. (laughs) Now, uh, he was probably poisoned by his Christian... Uh. 
enemies. Um, I suspect no, they wouldn't do that. So this is this is the battles inside of Christianity. Christians killing Christians from pretty much day one of them getting uh, official uh, oh. sanction in Rome or in Constantinople. Anyway, but this wasn't the end of the Arians. Historians okay. say that Constantine, who had never been baptized as a Christian during his lifetime, was baptized on his deathbed by Eusebius of Nicomedia, who mm. was an Arian bishop. And uh. also, I think, distantly related to Constantine. Yeah. Um, now, apparently, this was deliberate. Constantine didn't get baptised until the end of his life, so he could continue being an evil cunt, putting people's heads on spikes <laughs> no. his entire <laughs> life, and would still get into heaven. Oh, my God. I will never forget the time when I was going through my conversion to Catholicism. I couldn't help but ask the, the Father Kelly, who was the, sweet, the sweetest man on the planet. Uh, I said, so what if right before Hitler died, he asked for forgiveness and he took Jesus into his heart? And he just kind of went, well, then he's got a good chance of going to heaven. I was like, okay. Just, just wondering. So, uh, and not that I'm comparing Connie to Hitler, that just reminded me of that. So, yeah. So Connie drags it out as long as he possibly can because when you're the emperor, you got to get shit done. You got to bust some heads. I get that. I can respect that. But at the very end, he wants to make sure, just in case this is all legit, I need to cover my ass, excuse me, my soul, and get baptized. Very practical man. What a great religion. You can be a complete cunt. <laughs> The entire life, but as long as you get baptized on your deathbed, all good. Yeah. Now, uh, Constantius II, who succeeded Constantine, was also an Arian sympathizer. So the Arians basically had the run of the joint for quite a while here. Up until the sort of high point of Arianism in 357 at the Third Council of Sirmium, Mm-hmm. After Julian the Apostate uh, had tried to restore paganism, which we'll talk about probably in our next episode, the Emperor Valens, who was himself an Arian, renewed the persecution of the Nicenes. Um, but Theodosius I, who came after Valens, uh, wiped out the Arians uh, oh. once and for all. Um, he called the Second Ecumenical Council of 381, condemned Arius, expanded the Nicene Creed. So the Arians had a good run for a while there, uh, including a whole variety of emperors that were Arians. So even right. even the, the, the emperors during this period didn't believe in the Holy Trinity as being uh, oh. of the same essence is my point. And all of their senior bishops and the senior Christians in most of the 4th century, didn't believe in the the oneness of the Holy Trinity. Um, Let's finish with some of Constantine's later actions, though, before we uh, move on to his successes. Okay. Um, Now, if you read Eusebius of Caesarea, there are two Eusebiuses, by the way. It gets a little bit confusing. There was Eusebius of Nicomedia and Eusebius Mm -hmm. of Caesarea. Um, same time, both good friends of Constantine, but but different guys. Eusebius of Caesarea is the guy who was the earliest church historian. He wrote his uh, ecclesiastical history of the church. Uh, we we still have it. Um, it's one of the 
you know oldest documents in, you know, that, that survive in Christianity. Um, and he's a big fan of Constantine. This guy, mm-hmm. um, he gets a big boner over him uh, in lots of places. <laughs> For example, when Constantine appears at the Council of Nicaea, Eusebius writes that he looked like some heavenly angel of God clad in glittering raiment that seemed to gleam and flash with bright effulgent rays of light, encrusted as it was with gold and precious stones. Wow. The sun doth shine from his ass. Wow. Well, speaking of sun... Um, as we saw earlier, Constantine's son from his first marriage, Crispy Penis, had yep. been made a Caesar and had proven himself many times over in battle, including against Licinius. But then Constantine had remarried uh, to Fausta, had several sons to her. The eldest, also named Constantine, was made a Caesar when he was still a child, like a baby, an infant. And right. in 323, the Caesarship of Gaul was taken away from Crispus and given to this younger Constantine or Constantius when he was only seven years of age. What? Why? He was, he was made the Caesar of Gaul. I'm Caesar. No, but like you said, he, he's got a military experience. He's a grown man. He could step right in. Why, why would... I wonder why he did that. We don't know, but... It okay. is it is thought that maybe Crispus was a little bit too ambitious, maybe couldn't be trusted, oh. or remember Diocletian resigned his Augustus title after twenty years. He did mm-hmm. a, he pulled a Sulla. He said, "That's it. I've had enough power. <laughs> I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go and sleep with my homosexual buddy." <laughs> um, my my was it a what didn't Sulla have a slave? He had like a gay slave lover. He, kind he of thing. had um, a young man that was. Of the theater, he was an actor, oh, and he was his longtime right. lover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Diocletian had resigned after twenty years, and Constantine was getting close to his own twenty ah, years, and right. seems to have had no intention of retiring. I mean, there's no evidence that Crispus was disloyal, but I'm assuming they had an unpleasant conversation or three, where Crispus so Dad, was you're gonna retire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Dad, uh, <laughs> just looking at the calendar, twenty years is coming yeah. up next year. I guess you'll be uh, going into retirement. Like, We're nah. going to get the big chair. Yeah. Yeah. 326 was the 20-year mark for Constantius. Um, so when 326 came along, he made the younger Constantius <sighs> consul mm. along with himself, and Crispus was arrested, banished, and then executed not long yeah. after. Yeah, there had to be something going on there as far as expectations and disappointments. And this is, in fact, where Licinianus, the son of Licinius, was also murdered. He was only 12 at the time. Oh, come on. Fucking Christians. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, actually, uh, well, never mind. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing that Connie waited until very late to be uh, baptized. That's all I wanted to say. Now, this is immediately around the time of the Battle of Licinius. So Constantine had defeated Licinius in 323. And in the same year, um, you know, uh, uh, the Caesarship of Gaul is taken away from Crispus. Crispus helped him in the battles against Licinius. And for that, he gets his Caesarship of Gaul taken away. And and so three years later, uh, he gets killed. Um, Now, one of the ancient sources says that Fausta... 
Constantine's wife was behind it all. And not why you might assume, like you, you might just naturally assume that she did it because she, she sort of blackened Crispus's name so her own sons could be the right. heirs to the throne. Standard operating procedure. Claimed in one of the ancient sources that she tried to fuck Crispus, her stepson. Oh, she, my God. She tried to seduce him. And when he went, ew, you're my stepmother, <laughs> she right. convinced Constantine that Crispus was going to betray him or that he tried to rape her. Ooh. And he wasn't thinking straight and just reacted. Yeah, and he just lost his shit. He's like, God damn it, like Harvey Weinstein is <laughs> not you enough. To like, Harvey Weinstein, my wife. Yeah, he's like, me, hashtag me too. And he had Crispus <laughs> executed. But then Constantine's mother, Helena, yeah. apparently was furious that yeah. Constantine had killed her grandson, gave Constantine a piece of her mind and said, Listen, it was that bitch. I never liked that bitch wife of yours. It was that bitch wife of yours that was behind all of this. I saw her trying to climb up on Crispus's dick and he pushed her off. And you're a dumb fuck. And so Constantine then had Fausta, his wife, drowned in a hot bath. What? What? How is this guy? Okay. First of all, I want, I want to, so here's the guy who summons the Council of Nicaea. If your wife comes to you and says your son by a different woman tried to rape you, wouldn't you think he would get everybody together, get all <laughs> the information, sort it out, apply logic, try to figure this thing out, really take your time and get it right? No, he fucking reacts and starts whacking people. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh then he oh, regrets it. He, well, oh, okay. he regrets it and whacks his wife instead. <laughs> Um, she, what, she made him look bad? Yeah, she I guess. Him? Yeah, okay, she okay. tricked him, yeah. Uh, Don't trick me, bitch. Yeah. So this is the first Christian emperor here, uh, Constantine. Uh, you know. A role model, now, if ever there was one. Now, Eusebius of Caesarea, as I said, he, like he wrote this history of the church and he wrote a biography of Constantine as well, doesn't mention any of this. Get out of here. Nah, he just ignores all of these stories. We know them from other sources. Right. So, you know, he just portrays Constantine as the holiest of holies. But as we can see right from the get-go, you know, the the first Christian emperor is just an evil prick. Okay, so here's a question. At this point, do we think he's a Christian? Well, I don't know, man. Like... He supposedly then um, uh, 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 baptized on his deathbed, right? Which is not yet. Uh huh. By Eusebius of Nicomedia, this distant relative of his in 337 right. when he's dying. But we only have the word of Eusebius of Caesarea for that. Right. The Christian right. historian. And he obviously uh, sets out to paint uh, Constantine as this holier-than-thou emperor. So I don't know that we can believe Eusebius of Caesarea when he says that Constantine was baptized at all. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, that's the only place where it where it appears. And as we've already seen, Eusebius isn't a reliable source when it comes to Constantine. Yeah, yeah. Anywho. 
So do you want to do the, well, I'm sorry, I was going to ask, do you want to do the last couple of years of Constantine or do you want to go back and hit the big town? Do I want to go and hit the big town? Well, okay, I should, uh, that's Durham. No, I, I, I Constantinople. Do we want to talk about that or do we want to finish off Connie's life and then go back? Uh, well, he's dead. What else are we going to do? Oh, you just kind of jumped into it real quick. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I was just going to mention that uh, he had plans for a campaign against Persia. He told the king of Persia, Shapur, that he, Constantine, was asserting his patronage over the Persian Christian subjects and that he wanted him to treat them well, which obviously wasn't, that didn't happen. So he was going to wage a war, a crusade, if you will. Uh, but obviously he gets ill before it can get going. So like you were saying, everything starts to fall apart. He knows he's going to die. He asks to be, um, he asks to be uh, baptized. And again, whether that really happened or not, I, I just wanted to mention that. So the reason he was, because it's all obviously connected, the reason he was at Constantinople is so he can keep an eye on Persia, he can keep an eye on Turkey, uh, the, control the Bosporus. Uh, again, so he had a reason for that. But like you said, it all falls apart. He gets ill and he dies on May 22nd, 337. Yeah, and, and getting back to Constantinople. So this was obviously the the... Byzantium, it used to be. He decides to move his capital to Byzantium, renames it Constantinople, brought in Barry and Stan to try and help him figure out what the name of the new place should be. Uh, and it was built using overtly Christian architecture, which he made non-Christians pay for. So this is one sign that maybe he was a Christian right. at this stage. Um, but again, it's hard to tell. He may have had other yeah. reasons for it, but you know, they, the, the, some of the old sources say that Constantine wanted to teach his subjects to give up their pagan rights. So one of the ways he did that was by saying, all right, well, you need to pay for the Christian temples. Uh, there's a bit right. of a bit of a dick move, I think. You know, this is the guy again who issued the Edict of Milan, said you can have whatever religion you want. However, <laughs> if you pick the wrong one, then there will be penalties. But no, yeah. pick whichever one you like. Just <laughs> free, you are free to choose. Yeah. Well, if if I could tie this moment to him crossing the Melvian Bridge, I mean, it, Roman history is replete with generals going into battle and they normally pick a particular god who's going to help them in the battle. If you happen to win, then you say, yes, I have an intimate relation. Well, okay, that's the wrong word. I have a special relationship or connection with this god. So when he does it after the Melvian Bridge, maybe it's just something that you do. But yeah, when you go to Constantinople and you build this this place and you have you have it along the the Roman lines, and you have a lot of Christian symbols in it. At that point, you can say maybe is he trying to use Christianity as a vehicle to unite unite the empire? Because this is a very big area with a lot of a lot of obviously different uh, peoples, a lot of different cities and tribes and things like that. So maybe at this point, is he trying to use Christianity just as a tool to to uh, unite everybody? Because if they're all united under one religion, or if there are a lot of them are, it doesn't matter which religion it is, it's going to make his job as a ruler that much easier, as long as he can get them to not fight amongst themselves. Particularly if he can position himself as the head of the church, the head of the ah, religion. Right. I've always I've always figured that. Like, we know that that wasn't a wholly original idea. There was sort of 
For brief spurts, monotheism in Egypt going back a long time previously under the pharaohs, uh, you know, Tutankhamun's father, whatever his name was, um, mm-hmm. who was a monotheist um, and, and himself as pharaoh at the head of the monotheistic religion. We know the Persians were monotheists, uh, you know, the Zoroastrians and the king was sort of the head of the religion, favoured by mm-hmm. the gods. It's always struck me that maybe Constantine maybe had this idea that if he could unify uh, Rome under a single religion with himself as the head of that religion, uh, yeah. uh, it would give him a certain stability and moral authority. Uh, I don't, exactly. But I don't, there's no really evidence to support that. It's just... Um, you know, trying yeah. to trying to read between Working the lines. Right, Some of the right. other things that Constantine did, uh, he abolished crucifixion mm-hmm. and replaced it with hanging because that's a much nicer way <laughs> to oh. kill your enemies. Question time, Cam. If you had yeah. to choose between being crucified mm. or hanged, mm. is it hanged, hung? Hung, which, hanged, which, yeah. Hung, mm. I think it's Which one would you choose? Now, I know from our time in the hotel room that you are hung, but this is a slightly different question. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd probably go with the hanging, I guess, the crucifixion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that could, yeah. Yeah, crucifixion could take, what, hours, days? Yeah. 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 Good hanging. Good yeah. Point. On March 7th, 321, uh, he declared that Sunday was the official day of rest. Mm. Now, that was already something that the Christians liked, Sunday. It was their holy day. It was also the holy day of the Roman sun god Sol Invictus. Uh, So he made it the official day of rest. Um, Markets were banned. Public offices were closed unless you were freeing slaves. Apparently, you could still do that on a Sunday. You could still work on your farm on a Sunday which is what the majority of people did. Um, Also, Constantine encouraged the construction of new temples and tolerated sacrifices both for pagans. uh, Well, sacrifices for pagans and temples, I mean, for pagans and the Christians. But by the end of his reign, he'd begun to order the pillaging and tearing down of Mm. some of the old Roman temples. And people were doing it Anyway, and he was just kind of ignoring it. So it seems that towards the end of his reign that he is becoming uh, a little bit less tolerant of the pagan or polytheistic religions. And, of course, he really introduced anti-Semitism in a big way into the empire. Some scholars have said you can draw a straight line between Constantine and Auschwitz. Damn. Uh, you know, anti-Semitism had been around in Christianity from the very earliest days in the in the epistles of Paul and, and in the Gospels. Um, mm-hmm. it, it gets increasingly worse uh, as as the as you move chronologically through the books of the New Testament, the the anti-Semitism becomes more and more pronounced, and then as you get into the first couple of centuries of Christianity, it gets worse and worse. Constantine uh, really took a harsh view towards the Jews, and that just gets worse and worse with succeeding emperors. 
What? I was going to say, just I just wanted to give Constantinople, the city itself, uh, its own due, just because it is, you know, it will affect history for the next couple thousand years. Uh, when when uh, Constantine had his battle of uh, Chrysopolis, he came across the area. He saw that it was a great location uh, for a city. Obviously, the Greek city of Byzantium was already there, but um, but he decides to build over it on a massive scale. It's founded in 324. It is going to be dedicated on May 11, 330. And it was a great location. And again, this is not a thinker. This is not a philosopher. Constantine was a general, and it was a very strategic, uh, advantageous location. Uh, it could keep an eye on the Balkans. He could keep an eye on Turkey. He can keep an eye on the on the Persian frontier. It was equal distance between the uh, the Rhine and the Euphrates. Equal distance between the Black Sea and the Mediterranean. Uh, and this is the more important thing. Over the years, even though Rome was the historical origin of the empire, the wealth, the the more populous uh, parts of the empire, have now all shifted uh, to the east. So again, he's able to take advantage of that. And and I'm not sure if I believe this or not, but I found out when I was doing the, the reading for this, that after the Battle of Actium, Augustus, I think, had about a 15-second conversation with, with his advisors, and he was thinking about moving the capital after he is the sole ruler, he was thinking about moving the capital to Alexandria because at, even at that time, it was the economic center. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but there was a professor who said it, so I had to at least bring it up. But again, this is just a, a good move for him. Uh, Con- uh, Constantinople will be called the Second Rome, and then it will be called the New Rome. And of, out of all of the empire, there are lots of large cities, but this one is going to be different. This one is going to be special. He is going to set up a senate which is going to be a counterweight to the Senate in Rome. None of the other major cities throughout the empire had a Senate, so this is obviously something that's different. And again, this is just a very good move for him as a general. He can keep an eye on everything, and the West just is not as important as it used to be. So there was just a lot of different reasons for uh, for making this move. And as as you can see, if you if you do any searching on the uh, on the internet for pictures, he did it on a massive scale. It's 
I don't know if that's actually true. Do you think it's cold in Constantinople? It always strikes me as warm. I don't know about Echo. I'm not sure I believe Echo and the Bunnymen on that issue. Um, yeah, so uh, that's the end of Constantine. Um, after his death, his son Constantius, now 21 years old and a good Christian, became the Emperor Constantine II jointly with his brothers Constantius mm-hmm. II and Constans. Oh, that's not going to be a problem at all to have three rulers. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. Uh, uh, wasn't three. They also had their cousins, the Caesars, Dalmatius and Hannibalian, <laughs> Hannibalianus. Right. Hannibal's anus. Um, They're not going to last. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. 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 So dividing it between five people. He goes, well, you know, four, if dividing it between four was good, dividing it between five is just better. (laughs) Of course, uh, not long after Constantine died, his sons, being good Christians, arranged the slaughter of the rest of their family by the army. Damn, yeah. That's how you do it. That's how the Trumps are going to do it. When it, when everything breaks down, <laughs> someone's going to get the Secret Service to start shooting people. Yeah, so uh, so Demantius and Hannibal Zanus uh, are going to be one of the uh, early ones to, uh, to go. There was also two daughters that, uh, that Connie left behind, Constantina and Helena, who becomes the wife of Julian. But yeah, so the murder and the mayhem starts pretty, pretty soon after his death. And the three brothers, uh, on the 9th of September, 337, divided the Roman world between themselves. Constantine, proclaimed Augustus by the troops, received Gaul, Britannia, and Hispania. And then he gets involved in struggles between the factions uh, of the church, like his father had before him. The western part of the empire uh, favoured... Catholicism over Arianism, Mm -hmm. and they convinced Constantine to bring back Athanasius from exile, allow him to go back to Alexandria. Uh, Now, Constantine the 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 second, Constantius the sorry shit, Constantius the second, the other one of the other brothers, confused between Constantine the second and Constantius the second. Constantius the second was an Arian. So his, his brother, Constantine II, allows Athanasius, the enemy of the Arians, to come oh, back. Shit. Constantius right. goes, fuck that. So the three brothers went to war with, against each other over <laughs> whether you had to be a Trini- whether the Trinitarians were right or the Arians right. were right. Constan- so settled. Constantine II, the eldest, was yep. killed leaving only Constantius II and Constans, who was only 17, to divide the empire between themselves. Now, Constans ruled the Western Empire for 10 years. He was another Christian, but he was gay, and the Christians didn't like that, even at this early stage. It's claimed that he liked to have sex with handsome barbarian hostages Hello, I, who doesn't? Exactly, who doesn't? Sorry. That was my first thought. I'm uh, turned on right now. <laughs> he had a reputation for cruelty as oh, well. And you can't he, be gay and cruel. That just <laughs> ruins it. Sorry. And he was assassinated in 350 by the general Magnentius. Yes. Who declared himself emperor 
Magnentius also was a Christian, used Christian symbols on his coins, mm. and uh, revoked the anti-paganism legislation of Constans to try and get everybody on board. He wanted the pagans and the Christians all on his side. Um, but Constantius II yeah. wasn't willing to accept Magnentius no, as his co- kill my brother. Ruler. Yeah. And defeats him at the battles of Mercia Major and Mons Seleucus. Magnentius then commits suicide, leaving Constantius II, another Christian, the sole ruler of the empire. And as I said before, he's an Arian, so the Arians are still in control. Yeah, now, in 351, he is having, Constantius II is having too much trouble running this place by himself, so he elevates his cousin, Constantius Gallus, to the subordinate rank of Caesar, but after a while he finds out that this guy is a violent, corrupt asshole, so he has him killed about three years later, and then a little bit after that, in 355, Constantius II, the sole ruler, promotes his last surviving cousin, Gallus's younger half-brother, Julian to the rank of Caesar. And Julian claims the rank of Augustus a few years later in 360. Self-promotion. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. They are about to go to war, but Constantius becomes ill and dies in 361, aged only 41. Has himself baptized on his deathbed by Eusosius, <laughs> Who's Eusoius, um, that's better, Eusoius, the semi Arian bishop of Antioch. So there, now we've got, we've got the Arians and the semi Arians. They're like, well, are you and I, no, I'm only a little bit Arian. It's like, I'm only a little bit gay. Look, I'm only a little bit gay. I'll uh, do oral, but not anal. <laughs> which is what I think I said to you in uh, North Carolina. But anyway. Uh, and and he declares Julian as his rightful successor. And this is, of course, the uh, famous Julian, who's known as the apostate. Right. But before we get into Julian, I want to talk about Constantius's contribution to the rise of Christianity, because it takes another major leap here during the reign of Constantius II. He okay. issued a number of edicts that promoted Christianity at the expense of traditional Roman polytheism. In three in the three fifties. He created the death penalty for anyone who performed or even attended a pagan sacrifice. Damn. So much for tolerance. Now, just think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Performing sacrifices had been a central part of Rome's history for right. a thousand years, going right back to Romulus and Remus. Right. Christianity at this point's only been legal for less than 40 years has already used its power not just to get sacrifices banned, but to get the death penalty for the the 1,000-year-old tradition of sacrifices. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's utterly insane. I mean, these Roman people, especially the people not in the cities, the people out, farmers and things like that, I mean, they're they're used to this stuff. They're used to sacrificing for the harvest, for the whatever. I mean, this is a way of life for them, and now suddenly you can be killed for it. I mean, that's just a, uh, what do you call it? That's just a cultural knee-jerk reaction that is going to be so hard for a lot of these people. 
And you know who it was particularly hard for? No. The Jews. The, oh. the, the Christians' yeah. own God demanded that the Jews sacrifice to Good him. Uh, <laughs> and now, now the Christians are saying the Jews, the Christians have got the power and they're saying the Jews can't sacrifice to their God. Now, at this point, of course, the temple's been destroyed anyway, so right. I'm not exa- sure exactly. if the. I think we're more into the era of rabbinic Judaism here, and they're probably not sacrificing anyway, come to think of it. But, yeah, like the Jews had been sacrificing, though, up until their temple was destroyed for centuries and centuries. Their God, you know, you go read the Old Testament, God loves a good sacrifice, man. Um <laughs> And the Christians said, hey, we are the ultimate sacrifice. We sacrificed a fucking human. So, you know, that's that's better than goats and chickens. I pour out a little limoncello each time because you've got to cover your bases. So Constantius also closed pagan temples, issued edicts against soothsayers and magicians. Right. You mentioned Octavian earlier and the Battle of Actium. After the Battle of Actium in 29 BCE, when he defeated Anthony and Cle- Antony and Cleopatra, mm-hmm. uh, he had the altar of victory, where uh, established that uh, the Senate had to make a sacrifice upon before entering the Senate House. Mm. Uh, Constantius had it removed from the Senate. Right. You don't fucking touch some. Don't touch something that Augustus set up, man. Like, uh, don't fuck with Augustus's altar. That's not right. Uh, Yeah, the respect for Augustus isn't going to come back for until the Renaissance or or the stuff under that happened under Augustus. So these people are just not respecting their elders the way they should. Now there are also increasingly frequent episodes of Christians destroying, pillaging, desecrating, vandalizing many of the ancient pagan temples and tombs and oh. monuments and Constantius does nothing really to stop them. Like and, and some of the Christians weren't even happy with that. They wanted him to go further to stamp out paganism, like creating the death penalty for sacrifices wasn't even <laughs> that's, enough. That's uh, enough for me. A, a guy called Firmicus Maternus, which sounds like a fake name to me, but anyway, well, let's go it's with a it. a name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> firmicus yeah you want to see my firmicus he said he wrote paganism most holy emperor must be utterly destroyed and blotted out and disciplined by the severest enactments of your edicts lest the deadly delusion of the presumption continue to stain the Roman world. How fortunate you are that God, whose agent you are, has reserved for you the destruction of idolatry and the ruin of profane temples. Mm. Oh my God, these people are like, do they have nothing else to do? According to Labanius, who was an orator later on in Theodosius's day, Constantius gave pagan temples to his Christian friends. <laughs> you get a temple and you get a temple. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, what do you get for the man who has everything? A temple. <laughs> Labanius wrote, He indeed made presents of the temples to those who were about him, just as one might give a horse or a slave or a dog oh, or a golden cup. Oh, my God. He's what like, would you well, do with the temple? It's like, shit, what am I going to get 
What am I going to get Stan for Christmas this year? I gave him a golden cup last year. The year before that, how do I? I gave him a slave. Uh, I'm pretty sure I gave him a dog and a horse. What's left? I know. I'll give him a tempo, a temple of Apollo, um, (laughs) as a gift. And my dad paid him fifty thousand denarii when he when he named Constantinople for my dad. So yeah. again, a brilliant move. But he's got everything. What do you give this guy? Now, during his reign, Constantius uh, attempted to mould the Christian Church into following semi-Arianism, which was this compromised version that lay somewhere in between Arianism and the Nicene Creed. He ran several of his own Christian councils. Um, later on, of course, all the theologians he took advice from were declared heretics, uh, which is the great mm. thing about this. Like later on, Christians decided that Constantine was a heretic because he was an Arian. Constantius right. was a heretic because he was a semi-Arian. So these guys that literally <laughs> created started the yeah, yeah Christianity as a power. Uh, later on, get declared by Orthodox Christianity as heretics. I'm still trying to figure out what a semi-Aryan is. Is that like semi-circumcised? I mean, how, <laughs> I mean, okay, you've got the God and the you got the Father and the Son. They're either equal or they're not. So what's in between that? Yeah, well, they're equal uh, on on weekends and not equal <laughs> on, big, on on Sunday. The big, <laughs> on day. big days, yeah. I don't know. Um. Now, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. He also, um, he, he gave, Constantius is, uh, made edicts that gave Christian clergy an exemption from compulsory public service. Also, their sons got an exemption. There were tax exemptions for clergy and their servants, and then later on for their entire families. How, how do clergymen have sons? Oh, back then you could. The whole oh, okay. the whole thing where priests can't get married didn't come about until like the eleven hundreds, man. Oh, I know because when I take my brother in law Eric to the beach, who's a Catholic priest, <laughs> I would like to take him by the girls in bikinis just to watch his the the vein in his temple. Anyway, <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, that was a later development. Okay. Um, I right. think it had a lot to do with divorce settlements. Priests were getting married, oh. and then they were getting divorces, and the wives were taking the property, some of which yeah. belonged to the church, yeah. and the church was like, fuck this shit. Fuck All that. right, no more marriages. Shut it down. Just Shut have, it down. Just have sex with kids from now on. <laughs> yeah, because that's a solution. Um, now, this is one of my favorite things that Constantius introduced. He issued an edict that Christian prostitutes were only able to be hired by Christians. That actually sounds okay. That sounds right, actually. Because you didn't want family. You didn't want a pagan. You don't want a pagan penis and a Christian (laughs) vagina. Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah. You want your you want your Christian hooker to be clean of Jew or pagan, you know, germs when you're going to. You know, gonna go and stick it up. I wonder. I wonder if the Christian who visited a Christian prostitute. What if they prayed together before you stuck it up her butthole? I mean, foreplay. That's foreplay. (laughs) Dear eight pound six ounce newborn baby Jesus in your golden fleece diapers with your curled up, fat, balled up little fist pouring at the air. Please let me stick it up her butthole and then let her go ass to mouth. Amen. Amen. 
Constantius going to hell. Constantius also had it in for the Jews like his dad did early in his reign. He issued a double edict in concert with his brothers at the time, limiting the ownership of slaves by Jewish people and banning marriages between Jews and Christians. Sounds like Nazism. Yeah, yeah. Man, the Nazis got a lot of stuff from the early Christians uh, and from Martin Luther. Um, But, yeah, a lot of this stuff, like anti-Semitism goes right back to the earliest Christian emperors. And and as I said before, goes back early, goes back to the New Testament. The the very beginnings, they decided that... The Jews were bad, and 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 uh, you can, read the New Testament. There's a hell of a lot of anti-Semitism in it. Can I a semi-serious question? I get that the Jews get blamed for killing Jesus. I get that. I wonder why the Romans don't get blamed either as much or whatever. But I guess <laughs> it's just the spin of history. Like maybe the Jews should have hired Stan and Barry. But but on a serious note, I guess just the way things played out, it's interpreted as. It was their fault and and not the Romans because they, okay. they're the ones who wanted but, it done. But but here's the funny thing about that. So Christians are pissy at the Jews for having the having Jesus killed. What would have happened right? if the Jews hadn't had Jesus killed? You mean as far as uh, prejudice against them? No. If Jesus if Jesus hadn't been crucified, what would have happened? Right. Oh, but doesn't that mess up the entire religion because he died for our sins? That would he met, that's that's up. the whole fucking point of the religion is he had to die for our sins. That was God's plan. He goes oh, to so the it's God's fault, not the Jews. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, please don't make me do this. Right. Don't be a cunt. All right, I guess yeah. I'll do it. Hold on, you are me. Why am I arguing with myself? That's the first sign of insanity. The whole Christians say the whole point. It was that he right. had to be crucified. He had to die for our sins. But then they go, but fuck you, Jews. You made him die for our sins. Like, that was, that's the whole yeah. point of Christianity. It was in the, the Jews, The Jews did you a favour. That The Jews were just playing their part. And Judas. Yes. Like, Ju- poor Judas was obviously Judas, Jew, Judah. Judas in, right. in the New Testament is just uh, some sort of a fucking attack of the Jews, I think. Not a real guy because the story never really happened, probably. Right. But Judas is just another way of attacking the Jews. Oh. Um, but, you know, the, the, they should they, be thanking they, the Jews. Exactly. Uh-huh. And Judas Iscariot, Sicarii, uh, you know, Ju- Judas Iscariot, Judah the Sicarii, the, the, right. one of the Jewish troublemaker terrorists. I mean... There's so much tied up in those names, it's kind of bizarre. But, yeah, they should be thanking Judas. They should be building fucking statues to Judas and the Jews because they brought it, you know, it's, it's so fucking right. messed up. And this, that, oh it, 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 you know, it, it boggles my mind that Christians have no have no idea of this oh, stuff when you sit down and talk, yeah. wait, 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 you know. <laughs> is it, isn't that the whole point? You know, the next time I see a Jew, I'm just going to hug him. I'm just going to give a big hug. I'm so sorry you got blamed. It's not on you. I I take this from you. Anywho, um, getting back to Constantius, he also uh, had an edict after he was sole emperor that decreed that any person who converted from Christianity to Judaism 
mm-hmm. would have all of his property confiscated by the state. Jews bad. Got it. Any non-Jewish slave bought by a Jew would be confiscated by the state. If a Jew attempted to circumcise a non-Jewish slave, the slave would be freed and the Jew would face capital punishment. Now, I have to say, why would you be trying to circumcise a non-Jewish slave? (laughs) What is wrong with you? Listen, my slave, I can do what I want. If you work... If you're a slave in our household, we have to cut the tip of your dick off. Don't I, don't ask me why, but I'm not a Jew. I don't care. Like I don't have a, a foreskin, and I, I don't want anyone because if my my wife sees yeah. you with a foreskin, she might decide she likes foreskins. <laughs> That's <right>. To me, <laughs> your job is not to make me look bad. Yeah, to me, it just looks like I don't know something <laughs> no. crawled up over the tip of your dick, but like. <laughs> Like, looks like your skin's, I don't know, looks weird, but uh, hey. We're slightly off topic. Hey, thinking about, getting back to that. (laughs) How many uncircumcised penises do you see in porn, really? Not a lot. No, no, no. 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 Why is that? Why don't we see more answers? I'm going to start a campaign. More uncircumcised penises in porn. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, let me go register that now. What if it's taken? <laughs> it probably is by now. We're pretty slow. Oh, oh my God. It's only out of two. <laughs> I told you I'm not well. Um, <clears throat> and any Christian slaves owned by a Jew will be taken away and freed by the state. <laughs> not, not we're gonna, st- not we're gonna make sure that there are no Christian slaves. No, that's okay. Yeah. We still get Christians can have Christian slaves. Yeah, tons. but a Jew can't have a Christian slave. Oh. Anyway, so that is Constantius the second. As you can see, very quickly between Constantine the first and Constantine the second, and Constantius the second. Within a couple of decades, the Christians really just uh, uh, start to take over, start to, to, after getting their own edict of tolerance, they start to become completely intolerant to the traditional polytheism and to the Jews um, through their influence with their various Christian emperors. Uh, Quick question was... um Connie, still the high priest. What's the term I'm looking for? Of the Roman the Pontifex religion. Maximus. Pontif- Pontifex Maximus. Do we know if he was still the high priest? Do we know if he still held that position when he died? Yeah, uh, Roman emperors uh, held that title uh, for quite a while. I think maybe it was Theodosius who dropped that for the mm. first time. Okay. Uh, he's a little way down the track. Um, but All right, that's the end of episode five. Uh, let me see if I've got a review I can read. Um, from Otako Beat in the United States, if you have watched Rain Cam's shows before you know what to expect... Oh, let me try that again. If you have watched Rain Cam's shows before... 
comma, there should be, comma. you know what to expect. If you haven't, then what have you been doing with your life? Ray is still sitting in the corner giggling to himself while finger painting. <laughs> it's, a, well, it's a gift. While doing little to no research beforehand, leaving the lion's share of the podcast working glory to Cam before he goes Vistadio on Ray. I would highly recommend this show to anyone who is intelligent and those who are unable to take a joke or think for themselves while there is always Fox News and Sesame Street. Wow, harsh. Um, Otako Beat, thank you. Send us an email and uh, we'll send you a thank you gift. Same, Ryan Connor last week. I forgot to say that, Ryan. Yeah. Last week's ever. You know how it works. Send us an email. Send yeah. us an email. We'll send you a thank you. Um, that's it for episode six. We'll be back next week to talk about Julian the Apostate, one of my favorite Roman emperors. <laughs>